Welcome back, everybody. I am David Rice here with Dentistry Unmasked and my partner in crime as usual. Hey, Pam Maragliano Muniz, what is happening? Everything's happening down here in Florida. How about up in Mass? Oh my gosh. So I was in Florida when we had this big snowstorm, so I sort of missed it and I'm not sad about it. And so now it's back to like spring temps, which is great for right now, but I'm afraid it's going to be like snowing in June. So, you know, that plus practice, plus all the things. Plus, plus, plus. We got an awesome episode today, don't we? Mm-hmm. We do with us today. I'm so excited. Yay. Is Kevin Cumbus from Tusk, Tusk Partners. Kevin, welcome. Hey, Pam. Thanks so much for having me. Good to see you, David. Hey there. So, all right. We all get them, right? So we open our email and it's like, hey, have you ever thought of partnering with a DSO? Why don't you come talk to us and we're going to give you the best price and you're going to have the best life and you're going to be rich and you're going to be happy. Just respond to this email. Now, I get them. I think we all get them if you own a dental practice or even if you don't. Um, I'm starting to get emails directed to me and my associate. And I'm like, okay, cool. And um, <laughs> I think, um, you know, if you respond to those, I guess it's interesting information, but I would think that we should, you know, tread lightly on that. Kevin, what's your take? Yeah, um, Pam, it's fascinating. Uh, there is so, the, the business of dentistry and the evolution of the DSO has has happened so quickly, right? And we have seen more money come into this vertical than any other vertical in the healthcare healthcare world. There, there are 150 private equity-backed DSOs active in the market today, uh, and private equity companies are in the business of making money. And the primary way that they make money is by investing in other practices, growing their footprint and portfolio of affiliated businesses, and ultimately selling that to a bigger private equity company. So there's this mass rush, right? Everyone needs to grow their business, and they're uh, attempting to connect with doctors through direct mail and email and conferences and everything you're you're mentioning is a solicitation that would hopefully, in their minds, um, lead to an unsolicited offer to to purchase your practice or anyone listening's practice, right? And what's really neat, really interesting about all of this is those buyers uh, keep track of where their deals come from. And they're really proud of what they call proprietary deals. And a proprietary deal is a deal that they originated uh, and didn't come through someone like Tusk because they know in a proprietary deal, they're working with someone who doesn't do this all the time, um, is not aware of what their options are, and they're likely going to pay 30 to 40% less for a transaction like that than they would from a, from a broker or M&A advisor. So that, that's why you're getting all the, the mail in your mailbox. Uh, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's economically uh, viable to them, and they get a good return on investment when they do things like that. So when you get these emails, it's most likely because you're on a list, not because you were targeted as this fantastic practice that's an ideal candidate for a DSO. It's almost like being a high school kid and you get a like a, a postcard from a college and you're like, oh, this college, I'm going to be in right. because they want me. That's really not the case, right? They're sort of fishing out there and then they'll do their due diligence when you present your numbers. And even still, it might not be a match made in heaven, right? Yeah, it's a numbers game, right? They, they need to speak to as many doctors as possible to try to find uh, two things. One, the doctor that fits their, uh, let's call it their target acquisition profile or avatar. Um, so, uh, for example, they might be looking for oral surgeons uh, that that are, you know, 
X plus years uh, post-residency with X number of operatories and X million dollars of revenue. Um, and if you don't fit that profile, they'll certainly um, want to have a conversation with you, but it'll end pretty quickly. Others are just looking to stack EBITDA and anybody who has uh, three initials behind their name and a little bit of EBITDA, they're more than happy to affiliate with. Uh, effectively, they're just dragging a big net through the ocean and see what they can they can haul in and then try to sort the fish from there. So Kevin, what's knowing this is happening out there and knowing what you do, because I, you guys are a big brand and, and lots of people in dentistry know who you are, but what's the very first step any dentist should do if they're even remotely thinking of selling their practice and DSOs, you know, a possibility? Yeah. So first thing, when someone calls us and says, Hey, I'm thinking about selling, um, we want to spend some time with them understanding the why behind their sale or affiliation. Um, and we kind of look at it in, in three distinct buckets. One is I'm a 65-year-old dentist with five years left and I want to sell my business and maximize the value. That's great. Understood. No problem. Not a lot of questions there. In that situation, we just want to help them maximize value, be it through a sale to a dentist or, or to a DSO. Then there's the, the guys who are call it between 45 and, and 65. That's an interesting point in time because you're, you're stacking dollars uh, for your retirement planning, but also thinking about maybe being entrepreneurial. Or, or maybe exiting and using that windfall of cash to uh, serve as the linchpin to your retirement. Those are the conversations that are most interesting uh, because we want to make sure that when someone sells their life's work, that they are receiving enough cash at close to, to secure their retirement and, and their financial future. Uh, you only get one chance to sell your business and it is a cash flow machine. So we push pretty hard on folks to make sure that they fully appreciate and comprehend that the cash at close is really, really important. The equity piece very well could net you a three times cash on cash return, but very likely uh, will not. That's that's the uh, exception to the rule these days. Um, so David, if, if someone is, is saying, hey, my, my, my buddy just sold from dental school and he made this much money hit pause for a second, sit down with your spouse and loved ones and say, all right, is this something I really want to do? Can we afford to give up the cash flow for a lump sum payment? And if I, if I am ready to do that, the next question is, what am I looking for in a partner, right? Because there, there's 150 DSOs out there, um, all have superpowers, some have, most have superpowers, some have none. Uh, and some of them are great marketers and some are great at operations and revenue cycle management or brand management or building. Um, and some really encourage the doctor to um, elevate their talents and perform additional procedures, whereas others are very, very hands off and want you, David, just to continue down the path that you're on. So the, the, that second question is, what am I looking for in a partner? And then the third question is, what is my time frame to exit? Um, so what, once we have those questions answered with doctors, we can really understand and we really understand what they are looking for. That helps us curate the list of DSOs that we want to bring to the table to have a conversation with our client. Could we say that these exceptions of the rule or these large payouts are being sensationalized in our industry? Uh, yes, you can <laughs> certainly say that. Um and I'll give you a, I'll give you an example of that. Uh, you know, we at Tusk have done a lot of work around educating the marketplace about what is going on in the industry, right? Helping folks really understand what EBITDA is, how it is calculated, what a multiple is, multiple on what, and then how deals are structured because you don't get all the cash at closing. And and, and the DSOs have have so the dentists are more educated. 
uh, we it's regular when we get a phone call from someone said, hey, I want to sell my practice, but I'm not selling for anything less than 10 times my EBITDA. Okay, well, that that's an emotional attachment to a number and the EBITDA is easily manipulated. Well, there's a DSL I'm thinking of in particular that, that figured this out in the psychology of that in every one of their offers to any dentist um, was a 10x deal. But the, the what was so they're like, you've got a, a million dollars of EBITDA, we'll pay you $10 million for it. But it was the structure that actually mattered. Only a tiny portion of that was cash at close. Most of that was earn out and a tiny slug of equity. So yes, it is absolutely sensationalized. And the um, the buyers are doing that. There's a handful of brokers who are sensationalizing it. And, and I think what they're attempting to do is uh, help the market believe that there's a sense of urgency. And if you and act now, right? <laughs> Call now, J- just wait, our lines are open. Uh, this is this is a uh, something that's been going on for ten years now. Um, the market is probably twenty five percent consolidated today. The investors are not going away. The businesses are getting better. Um, you shouldn't feel a massive sense of urgency or fear that you're going to miss out on this. And, and because that that only benefits the the brokers and the DSOs, what you really need to do is is think cautiously about what you want to do. So don't believe the hype man that's on that's out there. Um, really think long and hard about it because as as I shared earlier, you get one chance to do this. So do it the right way. What about those dentists that are trying to navigate this alone? So, all right, everybody, I've gotten to know Kevin a little bit over the couple of years of being editor at DE and Kevin's a regular contributor. So if you're like, oh, this is really good. I want to hear more. Like you could reach out to Kevin directly or you can just like open DE and, you know, (laughs) or click online and see all of this amazing content he's sharing with us. But I, I think that we should be cautioned, especially as a solo practitioner that sort of like lives in our four walls on navigating this DE, I mean, sorry, this DSO world alone, because there's so many nuances to them. And Kevin, you match make practices with a DSO, not only based off of, you know, what the practice owner's goals are, but, you know, how they want to live their life and what this this process is going to look at it. Nobody gets to just like sell and leave. Right. I mean, it's really something that this Rare. is a whole process that you need to be a part of. Yeah. A hundred percent. We, it's Pam. I think we're really lucky and our clients are lucky because we have two folks on our team that used to work on the other side of the table. They worked inside of DSOs and private equity groups, and they were the ones who were reaching out to doctors and trying to convince them to sell and affiliate with them and not use a broker or an advisor. And they always they told us, look, that those that uninformed doctor is up against a team of seasoned professionals. Mm-hmm. And we knew if we could get that doctor out to dinner, we were going to win the deal. They're charismatic. They do this. This is their full-time job. They do this for a living. And and the dentist uh, you know, just doesn't have that muscle, doesn't have that experience. This is not about who's smarter. It's about how many reps do you have and how many times have you done it? So you you really if you do want to head down this road, uh, you absolutely need an advisor to help you understand the ever changing landscape that is out there. Uh, just to give you an example, two years ago it was very common for us to see offers that were eighty percent cash at close and twenty percent equity roll. Today there are some DSOs that are only offering fifty percent cash at close or less. And the rest of the, the value that they offer you would be retained equity in your business with no clear pathway 
to monetization. And if you're not armed with that knowledge, you, you don't quite know how to negotiate your deal and how to maximize the benefit for your family. Can we map that out almost in CRAN? Because I think that's a really important point. Sure. When you're negotiating with the DSO, the money that you're not getting on close, what are the what happens or what could happen that can go really sideways for people? Because we hear a lot of horror stories out there. Sure. So uh, let, let's go back to 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 the um, to the genesis of a DSO. And just I love how you say it. Let's map it out in crayon because it's um, it's it's but it, so. Let's start at the beginning. A DSO is created through um, an investor, in this case, a private equity company that provides capital to that group in hopes that they will grow the business and grow the EBITDA, which is just a fancy word for operating free cash flow, to where that investor can sell their equity position and make a return on investment, right? right. So that that's what a DSO really is from a financial perspective. So how do they maximize their returns as investors? Well, they put as little cash as possible into each and every deal, and they invite the doctors to take on equity positions in the business that they were building with the hope to the doctor that they will make a return on that investment. So what you're really doing, David, if I offer to pay you a million dollars for your practice and say, I'm going to pay you 500 of that in cash, 500,000 of that in cash and 500,000 of that in equity in my business, you've swapped, okay, you, you've gotten a little bit of, you've gotten a sizable amount of cash but you've taken on risk in my business all of a sudden, right. and you've entrusted me uh, to actually get you a return. What you don't know is what my balance sheet looks like, how much leverage I have. You don't know the character or the makeup of the leadership team. You're not fully read in on our strategy, and, and you've just assumed a different type of risk. Many of these DSOs do recap and return, uh, and recap is when they sell to a larger private equity company. Mm -hmm. And they do return um, some money um, to the doctors who have uh, invested inside of it with the proceeds of the sale of their business, but some do not. Um, there are plenty right now that are in peril, and they're in peril for a whole host of reasons, but primarily because of the rising interest rate environment that we have been in um, since the Fed began raising rates to stave off the, the recession. Um, so cash flow inside of these businesses is much, much lower. They don't have enough money to reinvest in the business. And they're a little stuck over a barrel right now because they can't get additional capital to grow and they can't get and they don't have enough cash flow to invest in operations. And the value of that equity is going down by the day. This is not all of them, but I, I know 10 today that are not going to be able to get to the finish line and had failed processes, meaning yeah. they went to market last year and didn't get a deal done. And the doctors that own equity inside of those businesses are in real, real trouble. So that's a significant risk if you're kind of only selling a portion of your practice off. And if for whatever reason that company just doesn't make it, what happens? Do you just like lose everything that you, you know, the rest of your deal? Yeah. So, um, I, I so when I started working out of college, I was a, a stock trader and I, I worked up on Wall Street and uh, it was back in 1999 and 2000. All you had to do was buy a share of WorldCom or Enron. And, and I mentioned those two on purpose and it would go to the moon. Right. Well, I, I, equity is a really interesting instrument because it can also go to zero. And I actually still have two shares of WorldCom stock in my portfolio that are at zero to remind me of that each and every day. So yes, equity can go to zero. And that's why structure is so important. 
Um, 20% of the proceeds of my business going to equity. Okay. I, I like that kind of risk. Maybe, maybe I, that's acceptable to me. 50% of proceeds from the sale of my business going into that type of risk could be more than I want to take on, Pam. Wow. So is this something that's kind of in the fine print of a contract that people may not realize? Um, I, it, it is absolutely in the contract, uh, but they are they are being sold, right? So they, they are being sold a vision and a future. We have seen DSOs put in a letter of intent that the expected return for their equity is nine times cash on cash return. They're writing that down on a legal document and it blows my mind. That is not, the likelihood of that happening is close to zero. So Pam, the, the DSOs are, they, they are salespeople. They are in the business of getting doctors to affiliate with them and, and their financial, personal financial um, outcomes are linked to that. They're bonused on how many deals they close and the price at which they're able to bring them into the DSO. That's how they get paid. So yeah, they are in sales mode all the time. You know, I get the, in like why somebody would be enticed to partner with a DSO, especially when, when I sold my practice, I remember going to dinner with the seller immediately after and she didn't want to sell like she had to sell because of her shoulder or whatever so she really needed to sell her practice and I remember sitting there at dinner and I'm like excited because I just bought a practice and I like you know filled with all this hope and I'm at dinner with somebody who's like not happy and she's like my life's work is only worth couple hundred thousand dollars. And because with, you know, all of her debts and everything else, when all was said and done, she ended up with a check that was like, okay, but not like awesome. And so hearing that going into it, I'm like, well, I don't want that for myself. I'd like to figure something out and do better for my future and everything else, especially I don't have kids. I don't have anybody that's going to take care of me. I've got to figure this out throughout my own life. But wow, what a gamble people may take. So have you, we hear these like amazing stories of all these like, you know, rags to riches stories of this transition. What are some of the doctors that aren't happy? Like, can you share a little bit of like, like a, like the downside of this, like people who real life have experienced like the downside? Yeah, a hundred percent. I can't, I do, I do want to put an asterisk and a disclaimer before we go down this road though. What we are talking about is, is probably it's a, it's a handful of transactions. There are plenty of folks that actually do well. And I want to make sure we talk about that too. But, and I love that we're talking about the landmines that are kind of buried out there in the DSO landscape. Um, the doctors that I talk with at trade shows who are most unhappy with their affiliation are really unhappy for primarily two reasons. Reason one is they, they were emotional about the opportunity they did not think critically about whether or not they could afford to sell their business because really what you're doing is you're swapping cash flows for a lump sum payment. And, and when they did the transaction, they placed too much emphasis and expectation on the return on the equity position. And they might've been sold that it was going to trade it five times cash on cash. And they only got two times. Look, Pam, if you can show me an investment where I give you a dollar and you give me $2 back, I'll do that all day long. But they were planning on $1 in, $5 out, and that was critical for them in order to retire. And now they find themselves stuck working inside of the business that they built 
for much, much longer than they ever planned on and only receiving a fraction of the cash flows they had as an owner because now they're paid 30% of collections. That is an unhappy doctor that is now stuck. So that that's really the, the, the one piece of it. And the second, so that's kind of, that's probably most of the folks that I speak with who are unhappy. The other uh, camp of folks who are unhappy are the ones that were promised that nothing was going to change inside of their business. And operationally and clinically, they were going to be able to continue to do tomorrow everything that they had been doing yesterday. And that changed. And there has been some top-down um, guidance, let's call it, suggestions uh, from non-dentists and how to enhance revenue and EBITDA. And, um, and they don't like it. And they're being told, you're going to have to do this. You're going to need to make these changes. Really top-down management um, that they never wanted or, or were told would never happen. So those are really the two camps. One, it's, it's financial. And two, it's operational, which leads to emotional unhappiness. That's interesting. And and I love how you, you know, you shared that first one, Kevin, because I feel like um, that emotional piece for us, maybe this isn't really, the DSO's job is to sell, as you've mentioned, but there's some onus on us, right? We've got to be financially fit and walk into a negotiation with some kind of strength. Because if we walk in with weakness, then um, is it really someone else's fault that you know, we sort of not get taken advantage of, but we don't, we don't quite reach the expectations that were pitched to us. Yeah. I love how you bring up um, negotiating from a position of strength, right? So when we uh, work with doctors and we are chosen to help them represent their life's work in a transaction, we let them know we're going to run a marketed process and bring as many buyers as possible to the table. So we have a leverage, Right. We want our doctors to know, even though they might really in their heart of hearts want to affiliate with DSO one, we need DSO two, three, four, and five there to hold DSO one accountable and give us leverage to make sure we can get everything that our client wants in their transaction. Not just the economics, the post-sale employment, the lease agreement. Um, how are we going to split profits? Can we grow? Can we not grow? All of those things, David. And uh, it, it's it's so I love what we do uh, because there are so many levers to pull and, and dials to twist and deals like this. There, there's hundreds of points of negotiation where, um, and if you don't, and if you don't know that, or if you don't see that or appreciate it and have the opportunity to see a hundred offers, you don't know that you can take from one offer and put it into another. So it, it, you really need to come into these negotiations from a position of strength and have leverage on your side. So what's the the ideal timeline? Right, let's put it that way. So, all right, I'm 47 years old. I'm really not really interested in selling my practice anytime soon, but I know I'm going to have to someday. And so I'm in a position of, well, if I say have a 15 year timeline, it would be nice to be kind of set up properly so that a transaction like this could be available to me as opposed to my only real option it would be to finding somebody to like a solo dentist to sell to. I think that a lot of dentists that are like, I need to do this and I need to do this next year are almost setting themselves up for like, you get what you get and you can't get upset. Right. So say like this kind of partnership or bringing you on the team, the transaction team, even if it's down the road, how many years do you think would be an ideal timeline to really set yourself up? So you are in a position of power when you're negotiating. 
Yep. Um, th this is a great question. And, and the way, um, well, I'll, I'll answer it this way. Um, there's a great book written by John Warlow called Built to Sell. And you all, and I and I love this book because what it what it instills in in me and other entrepreneurs and should instill in all dentists is, you want to build a business that is built to sell, irrespective of whether or not you're ever going to sell it. Um, so what I would recommend is call call us call 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 someone else, but call us and what we'll do is we'll actually look at your business complimentary and we will give you a sense of what your business would trade for today. And then provides you insights on how to grow value. That so that so now you have information that can help you with your strategy. The second thing you need to do is talk to your financial advisor and figure out what you need to achieve financial independence and if there is a gap in that. And, and what I mean by that is at your current level of spending, um, how much money do you need inside of your retirement account, your investment account, to live to 110 years old? Right. And so they will run that math and they've got a very simple soft software. They can punch in a couple numbers and they'll tell you what the gap is. And if there is a gap between what you have and what you need, and then you marry those two things together, you go, all right, well, I, I'm short $2 million. Tusk tells me that my practice valuation in today's market with the um, allocations of proceeds, proceeds that they're seeing, meaning the percentage of cash at close, um, I could get about 1.5 after debt, taxes, and fees. So what that means to me is I need to either grow the business, save more, or or just keep doing what I'm doing for three more years, and then I can sell. But Pam, that that's really the the get the information that you need so you can make a well informed decision. I, I think, think that's, that's so important, and yeah. it really circles right back to those at least one of the two groups of people that you meet who are unhappy with the deal, and it's. I'm going to say that part is entirely avoidable with the recipe you just gave. And I think the other side of that is also probably almost entirely avoidable when, when we get with someone like you who can guide us, because this is what you do all day, every day. And you start bringing a volume of opportunities to us as opposed to, um, Pam, and I loved your intro to this because it felt like a 2 a.m. infomercial, but like much softer <laughs> with you speaking it, but yeah. it, it, it feels like we can be in control when we take the right steps. Yeah, be. To, I, I just, if I could wish any uh, anything for all your listeners, it would be take a deep breath, right? Know that you are building an extremely valuable business, and uh, and pick up the phone and give us a call, right? Let let us help you make an informed decision. Uh, and if you if you do that. What it will really do is help you, you kind of shift your strategy and think about, okay, if, if I really need to be the owner operator for two more years, maybe I don't need to buy that technology or maybe I do. So it, it should inform everything as you're walking up towards exit. And what I believe it also does is it de-stresses the situation for the doctor because they're armed with the information that they need to, to plot the path that's best for their families. Yeah. So Kevin, this has been amazing. I have to tell you, I feel a thousand percent better about this conversation right now than I did 30 minutes ago. And I'm, and I'm quite positive. Everybody who's watching and listening does too. What's the best way for our audience to reach you? Yeah, sure. Um, so you can reach out to us here at Tusk. At, uh, actually the, the best way is to go to our website. Let's start okay. there. Um, Tusk-partners.com. You can always email us as well at info at tusk-partners.com. 
And you can reach us. Uh, let me grab a phone number for you. It's embarrassing. I don't even know our own phone number. Uh, it's like it's like you don't even know your wife's cell phone number, right? Because you have it in your phone. Uh, but let me give you the phone number as well. It's 704-302-1043. And they can call that anytime. We're always uh, willing to have happy to talk and chat and just provide you feedback around what's going on inside the market. Man, well, I really appreciate your time, Pam. Oh my gosh, Kevin, thank you so much. This was yeah. awesome. And I agree. I feel like we're all like, okay, I can actually do this. And I can do this with having somebody like you on our team. So come back, please. We'd love to have you. And <laughs> I look forward to the next time. Great. Thank you both for this opportunity. It's great to see you digitally. I hope to see you out in the real world uh, this year as we're uh, out, out there at conferences and such. You'll have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. See you next week, gang. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for watching or listening to the show this week. And thanks to our guests and sponsors on this episode. Please check out our social media at Dr. Pamela underscore Maragliano and at Dental Economics Official. Or you can check me out at Ignite DDS or at Dr. David Rice. And go to dentaleconomics.com to receive dental economics. You can choose to receive DE in print or digitally, and you can also get the details of our Principles of Practice Management Conference on our website. If you have topics or guests or anything you'd like to talk about on the show, send us an email to dentistryunmaskedpodcast at gmail.com, and we will do our very best to make it happen. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>